Hi, this is Mike Edelhart, and I'm here with another edition of Inception, our podcast about beginnings, the beginnings of companies, new science, new ideas, and sometimes even a little glimpse of the future. And we may be talking about all of that uh, here today with Paul Chen of Flourish, one of our newest companies. You still have new investment smell on you. We just uh, funded you literally uh, days ago. Thank you for being here. Pleasure to be here, Mike. Now, this is a podcast, so it may seem sort of normal, but even if it wasn't a podcast, it would be a podcast because we're doing everything over Zoom. And everybody's feeling isolated and uh, all kinds of reports out about stress and mental challenges and mood problems and you name it. In a very uh, fundamental way, you and your company are here to help people quite directly deal with that. So why don't you explain what you're doing and, and why of all the things you might have chosen to do, you decided to do this and now. Yeah, absolutely. So what we do at Flourish Talk is to train people to become more empathic. Empathy is the foundation of meaningful relationships and great relationships are the foundation for people's mental fitness and wellness. Really, we wanted to build an app that helps me foremost and people like me. Eight years ago, my mom and I had a huge conflict uh, over, over my girlfriend. Um, I became pretty depressed and uh, in fact, uh, even had suicidal thoughts uh, back then. Now, thankfully, and you know, I'm okay now. And that's due to the fact that one of my friends uh, from Stanford Medical School, Dr. David Carrion, uh, who's a co-founder of, of Flourish, uh, was studying psychiatry uh, at Stanford. And he helped me process through my mental health crisis. Now, kind of reflecting back on my own experience, what made me realize is that you know, good relationships really require skills. Because it's, it's no doubt that my mom and I loved each other as mother and son, but you know, our way of communication really did not lead to the loving response that we anticipated. Uh, instead, we just corner each other more. You know, I was blessed to have a friend like Dr. Karen from Stanford Medical School to walk through my own valley of darkness. But millions of Americans today are suffering mental health issues caused by bad relationships. I know for a fact that not every one of them has a friend from Stanford. So that's how David and I got together and really felt called to start a company that uses this technology to scale evidence-based skills and practices uh, that improves people's mental and emotional wellness. That's the beginning of the story. I suppose before uh, I come back to you, uh, I should know, me too. I think maybe one of the things we can do here is just acknowledge everybody goes through the valley of darkness at some point. No one should shy away from this. Uh, nobody's immune, et cetera. Uh, anybody out there who's feeling darkness should recognize that. Hell, call us, call whomever. But coming back to the company, why is training empathetic people the way to do this? Why wouldn't you be saying now, Mike, we found a better way to route people to therapists. Mike, we found a better way to use, I don't know, biomarkers to recognize uh, that folks are uh, feeling uh, somehow dangerous. Why is it all about empathetic people? Absolutely. Traditionally, in Western medicine, the way to think about mental health or emotional health is usually focusing on the, pa uh, the client or the patient individual, him or herself, probably has something to do with our Western kind of, you know, individualistic ethos. Yet what's peculiar or what's unique about mental and emotional wellness is that, uh, well, I cannot have emotional health 
with bad relationships. So like mental health is fundamentally a social phenomenon. That is to say, I must have flourishing relationships if I want to have any hope of uh, having uh, you know, good mental health. In fact, uh, almost 20 years ago, a group of researchers from the University of Michigan have done a study that indicates that having bad relationships is just as likely as having a heart attack to cause you to feel depressed. So this is being proven by really smart people in the world that relationships really matter to your mental health. So is the goal here for uh, the Flourish platform to help me help myself? Is the goal here to help me help myself by helping others? Is the goal here to begin to find out from a group of sort of random folks that some folks are really good at helping others and then creating a community that in it has structure? Yeah, all the above. Uh, It's going to be iterative. When I feel supported by the intimate relationships around me, whether it's my wife, my mother, my friends, I will be more mentally stable. I will be mentally healthier. As a result, I will be a better husband, a better father, a better son, a better coworker to those around me. Therefore, causing less stress to those around me, and as a result, contributing hopefully to a positive mental impact on those around me. So you're focusing on sort of the individual in society or the individual in the group or in the bosom of uh, love. And, And we've talked about this and some of the folks who listen to this podcasts have heard me say we at the fund are big on love and we're big on love because it correlates that a, a small group of humans who love what they're about and love one another can essentially accomplish anything, but also a small group of humans who love each other and love what they're doing are essentially in a family. The mutuality creates the environment where you can just sort of relax and allow yourself to be whoever you are and allow the others to be who they are. And that then tends to accentuate the positive in in a rather fundamental way. Let's flip it over to the business side. So imagine someone of an entrepreneurial frame of mind is listening to us talk and goes, well, that sounds terrific, but why is that a business? And and I can see this going on in church basements and I can see it being very helpful, (laughs) but how is this a business? Absolutely. So I'm going to ask you two questions, Mike. Do people in the United States take physical health seriously? <laughs> well, I have, I have kinfolk in Alabama. So not everybody in the <laughs> United well, States. A substantial uh, number of but, them. Uh, you know, and one of the things we're seeing, I mean, to be serious, one of the things we're seeing from COVID is that folks as a whole are becoming much more conscious of their own physical well-being. Uh, they're caring more about what they eat. They're actually exercising more uh, because this isolation has driven a certain introspection and given people back some uh, control over their time, whether they wanted it or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so you will probably agree that physical health is a pretty big deal that people take seriously today, right? Sure. Generally. Now, the second question is, do you also agree that valuable businesses have been created to support this growth in people's interests in physical health. Sure. So, so, so yeah, companies like SoulCycle, Peloton have become huge businesses because they tap into this insight that, hey, you know, people really take physical health seriously. So we're gonna become a great company to fulfill that need. Now, same thing. As I mentioned, I believe and our team believe that 
mental and emotional wellness will be just as important, will be accepted as mainstream as physical health has been accepted today. Maybe not right away, maybe not in a year, but in a few years, yes. So that creates an opportunity for companies to become that infrastructure company to support the growth in emotional and mental well-being. So that's why we have, we have a business. And, and the way we, and we know people are willing to pay for it. I mean, you probably have a friend who is willing to pay 300 bucks per hour to see a therapist. Now, that's a great quite a few, Quite a few friends. Quite uh, a few. And, and you know, I, I paid money to, to see a marriage therapist a few months back, and uh, that was like a couple hundred bucks. So people's willingness to pay is there. How do we use technology to, to, to create a scalable solution? That's what we're trying to do. So just where's the business right mm-hmm. now? So um, can folks listening to this go join up? So we believe in monthly subscription business. Uh, we think that you know the gym concept is a good analogy. So in two days, you can sign up to be a member, a beta member of, of Floristech, and you will get, you have access to a number of videos. Each of them is two to three minutes. So you can watch it anywhere you want. And these are all, videos that are produced by expert clinicians that are trained at Stanford and Harvard. Um, so you're gonna watch these videos about empathy training, so you'll, you'll learn. And then you will be matched with another peer who shares your learning goals on empathy to do one-on-one peer coaching, basically, role-play practice, 30-minute session over Zoom. So two pieces you get. Really interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. You can certainly imagine that this could work. You could also imagine that folks would be Americans in particular, kind of self-conscious. Here's a stranger, untuck. Uh, will folks really share in that way? And, and how do you facilitate that? How do you make it yeah. sure it's possible that that's going to happen? Yeah. So, Mike, I'm glad you pointed out how stigmatized mental health and mental wellness still is. The way we hope to normalize the conversation is so these are role plays like we're not asking you to share your personal issues in fact we don't want you to share your personal issues over on our platform you're here to practice certain skills how you do it so let's say you and i are doing role play i'm the one who wants to practice my empathy skills i've watched the videos i want to put them into practice you will start up the conversation by giving giving me a prompt that simulates a real life situation for example paul you're such a pig why didn't you watch the dishes tonight okay Unfortunately, that's a very familiar thing that I hear uh, at home. And, and, and uh, you know, if we kind of tap into our natural man response, uh, I probably would not have responded very well. But our course teaches you to respond in a way that's respectful, but also communicates, you know, my own feelings of hurt or rejection uh, in a way that makes the other person, uh, you know, feel connected. So that's, that's what we're doing. And we take turns. Very interesting. So then flipping it over, how's the business? How are you? So uh, starting a company can be hard on uh, individual life, hard on relationships. You got uh, a young child. So you got both sides going at once. Yeah, I I love it. I could not imagine doing anything else. It's going to sound pretty cliche, but life is short. And I think in 2020, that reminds people of our own mortality. If I get to wake up every day, having a chance to innovate and make other people's lives better. That's, that, that's what it's about. Yeah, it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, we say uh, entrepreneurism is a socially acceptable form of mania. Uh, <laughs> why would you willingly hit your head against the wall year upon year upon year? Uh, 
And it's because, well, at some point the wall will fall down and I'll be responsible for it. And everybody can see something they never saw before, but that's not a normal way of viewing outcomes. Normal person would say, you're hitting your head against the wall repeatedly. That doesn't seem like much fun. So if we had your wife on here right now, what would she say about this? Would she say, this is great. I never see the guy and uh, you know, he never takes out the garbage. Uh, did she know she was you know, marrying into a circus family? Yeah, so uh, thankfully, my uh, my wife uh, is smarter than me. So she went to Harvard undergrad, and she's in crypto. She actually works at one of the world's top uh, crypto companies, and she's one of the marketing executives there. So she's in the game, and she understands it. Uh, so she and I, you know, we, we just, uh, you know, work it out every day, compromise on who is, you know, playing with the kid and who is doing work and all that. I mean, yeah. honestly, Mike, a lot of the uh, kind of uh, skills of managing homes translate very well to how to manage teams in a professional setting. My family has introduced constraints to my professional work. Now, I used to be frustrated with these constraints. Now I've come to embrace them as positives. Why? Because I think as a product guy or product woman, subtraction is way more important than addition. And having constraints actually forces me to really ask myself a tough question. What is that one thing that really matters? And I think having having a family or intimate, you know, domestic partnership forces me to uh, to detach, uh, and that's a good thing uh, for the business. Because sometimes when we are so entrenched with uh, what's in front of us, uh, we miss the obvious solution. But if we can just take a step back for three seconds, yeah, I, I couldn't. Yeah, I got a bunch of kids, and they're all grown now. But uh, when I started, my little babies, when I went home, they didn't care if I was hanging out with Rupert Murdoch or with the yeah, you know, the cat on the corner. They had a whole different set of needs and a whole different set of expectations from me. And it was clarifying and it was a release, all this politics. And what it helped me realize is it matters, but it doesn't actually matter. <laughs> um, this matters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, Mike, what you're tapping into is kind of playing the long game, you know? Yeah, I can probably, you know, work 24 seven for a couple of years and now I would hate myself. Uh, and, you know, burnout. I mean, this happens a lot in Silicon Valley. You know, they, they, they will go full speed for a couple of years and they will start to hate the very thing they love. Now, how tragic that is. I'm committed to do this for 30 years. So if I if that's my time horizon, you know, that, that affects how I pace myself today, right? right. So I guess the semi-joke has to be 30 years only, huh? You're right, so what are you gonna do with the rest of your life? <laughs> 30 years is what I, you know, that's my event horizon. Now you're gonna be at this for 60 years. <laughs> well, it's probably as good a place to leave it as any, uh, this is turning into sort of the Egan Act uh, early show. Wonderful company. We think you're a terrific guy, courageous to be taking this on. It turns out, I think, to be, I'm not sure if it's an ideal time, but very appropriate time be going after this set of challenges. So uh, we're proud and uh, grateful to have a chance to be alongside you on this. And we just can't wait to see what happens next. And again, anyone listening to this or looking in, uh, go look, don't hesitate, go look, there's help. Thank you. Thank you.